Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode three of Live Your Fire with me, your host, Josh All. On this episode, I sit down with a business owner who's been doing it for a long time, and she takes us behind the scenes of all the different roles that you have to play when you're running your own business, things that people on the outside definitely don't get to see. So with, uh, with that being said, let's get into the episode. Hey, thank you for joining in to another episode of Live Your Fire. I have not been doing this as regularly or consistently as I thought I was going to when I started out. I've been a little bit busy since uh, the last time I did an episode, and it's because I've been in the transition from my previous full-time job working for somebody to now I am running my own business. And uh, I'm just really, really excited about everything that's been happening. There's a lot of moving pieces and parts right now. Um, but it is a fun adventure, let me tell you. And so in the theme of having your own business and um, all of the things that keep you busy when all of a sudden people look at you and say, hey, now that you have more free time because you're not working your you know, 40-hour week full-time job anymore, um, I actually have a lot less time than I did. But it's all good. It's, it's, it's not time that... I wish I had to spend on anything else. It's time that I'm spending on what I want to be doing. And that's the most important component to all of this. So my conversation today on this episode, I sat down with a business owner. She's been running her own hair salon and natural wellness solutions, uh, a couple different businesses that she operates. She's been doing it for a long time. Um, I'd have to go back to the tape, honestly, to get the exact number of how long she's been doing it. But you're going to hear all that here in a second. Um, and she actually brings four lovely ladies along with her to the to the episode to kind of help us understand all the different roles that as an entrepreneur, as a, a business owner that you have to play. You have to you have to actually play all these roles in your business. So uh, I don't want to give anything away. I'm going to let all five of these lovely ladies talk about it. So it's Carmela Rausch is my guest. And she's like I said, she's got four ladies with her. Um I tell you what, she does a phenomenal job on this episode. She really gives a great in-depth understanding of everything that goes on behind the scenes of running a business. So I really don't have much else to say about it because she takes care of everything in the conversation. She does a great job. So let's go over to the conversation with Carmela Rausch. Good morning, Carmela. It's good to have you here. Well, thanks for having me, Josh. I'm, I'm very happy to have you. I think this is going to be a a fun conversation. I've had the pleasure of sitting down talking with you for turned out to be a couple hours, I think, in your in I your salon. It and it yeah. was very enlightening and you just you're full of wisdom and experience and knowledge. So to everybody listening, um, just buckle up. This is gonna be awesome. So Well, let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you are the owner of Sheer Design Salon in New Philadelphia. Yes. And Natural Solutions Vitamin and uh, herb consultants. That's correct. Okay. So why don't we start there? Just kind of give us a quick overview of what your businesses look like. Okay. We're actually approaching 47 and a half years of being in business. Wow. And um, I started when I was 23 and um, it was kind of by accident, but we can get into that later if you mm, want. Definitely. Um, 
And it's a salon that um, in the beginning, we offered all the spa services, you know, massage and pedicures and nails, you know, we offered all that. But now we've, I've kind of downsized because going on 47 and a half years, I'm still excited about what I do. But um, I just decided to get away from some of those stressors and just downsize. About um, 27 years ago, we added natural health. And um, that's been an amazing addition to our business. That's awesome. So you've, uh, you've adapted, changed. Like you're not doing the same stuff now that you were 47 years ago. Well, actually, that's part of my story. Okay. Well, I'm sorry to get ahead on that. That's you, okay. <laughs> Whenever I came uh, back into the area from Columbus, Ohio, because I actually worked over there for a little while after graduating from cosmetology, cosmetology school, um, we, this area was not doing um, scissor cutting and blow drying. There might have been a little bit going on. But there wasn't blow drying. It was brand new. And so we were one of the first salons to open up and offer blow drying. We only had three dryers. The salon I previously came from had 13 dryers. The one in Columbus? No, I moved back here and actually worked for a salon here for um, a couple years. Oh, okay. Uh, Maybe a year and a half, I guess. And um, they had 13 dryers, hair dryers. So we we moved into the new... Uh, styling that was happening at the time. So we kind of brought that into the area. I felt like some of the clients in the area were going to Canton, maybe Akron, to get those services because bigger cities were doing them. Um, and it turned out to be quite a success. That's awesome. It was so scary. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I mean, when no one else around is doing it and you're like, well, here let's we do go. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't, if you don't have that vision to kind of see, you know, the potential and then take the leap of faith to actually execute it, you would never know if it worked or not. Exactly. And you have to have the vision to see what's happening for the future. And coming from a bigger city, I already knew that was what was going on. And so I knew it was just a matter of time till it got here. So um, that was our main goal when we opened up to be a haircutting, blow drying, type salon and and we were that's great and we are (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was gonna say so like fast forward to today um what all do you guys offer um well we're full surface as Mm -hmm. far as uh skin care and hair care go um we're still doing the blow drying of course we've got new tools we've got flat irons and you know we've got jumbo uh irons that we never had before um but we're still doing those type of styling um, hair color is massive. I mean, it, it, is, it is a huge uh, service that's happening in all salons. So we do a tremendous amount of hair color, all kinds, all colors. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm married, so I, I know that is true. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, okay, great. So, and, and you really focused, a, I mean, you focus a lot on wellness. We Just do. overall wellness. Overall wellness, and that includes taking care of the hair and the skin mm-hmm. because we need to take care of the inside as well as the outside. And so we do it all. Yeah, well, the skin's it's the largest organ. It so. is the largest. How'd you know that, Josh? Oh, you know some science <laughs> class back in the day or something. <laughs> but that's true. It is yeah. the largest organ, and it, it tells a lot about what's happening on the inside. Yep. And um, our hair's affected, our skin's affected. 
So uh, we manage all that. Yeah, it's interesting how all that stuff works together. It's just like um, your dental health is a direct effect on your heart health. Exactly. And then when you go through the process of why that is, you know, well, it makes sense. So Right. And it's the bacteria in the mouth, actually, that has a lot to do with that heart disease. Hmm. Crazy. All right. So anybody who's watching the video of this podcast on YouTube or Facebook or wherever, we've got, I'm not just here with Carmela. I've got four other uh, lovely ladies in the studio with me as well. So uh, do you want to go ahead and take a second, kind of introduce who these ladies are, and then we can kind of go through your story and some of the business things you want to talk about? Okay. Um, should I tell how the girls came about? I think so. Okay. I think that'd be good. Okay. Um, I taught CEUs, which are credits that we have to have now to stay uh, a hairstylist. And I taught those at Kent State, which actually, it was the first time anyone ever taught CEUs at a major college campus. So it was a two-day um, classes all day long. And um, one of the parts of the classes was about business. So I, I thought and thought, how can I get this across? Because at that time, I'd been in business probably about 20 years, and um, uh, you have a reckoning after about the first two years of being in business. But um, so I had a friend design the girls for me. And the first girl is Betty Bookkeeper. The second is um, Holly. No, Molly. Molly. Thank you. We, we almost forgot her name. Yeah. Molly Maid <laughs> and Ricky Referee and Holly Hairdresser. And the reason that Holly hairdressers at the end is because what you realize right off the bat after just maybe six months into the business is, whoa, I have a lot of other things I have to do here. You become a bookkeeper. And, and as your business grows, you can, um, which I do now, have a bookkeeper who does all that work. But in the beginning, you know, financially, you want to um, not overspend. And so you become the bookkeeper. And then you also realize, um, I have to clean this place. So you become the maid. And then the referee comes in place when you have employees, because everyone who has a business knows that that's probably one of the biggest struggles is, is trying to keep everybody um, in a happy place. And your goal is to make your whole business um, good for everyone you, the clients, and your employees. And so you have to be the referee, and that's a hard job because sometimes you have to um, take people aside, and sometimes you have to set standards that some people might not agree with, but you're looking out for the big picture. Um, and that's, that's really a challenge, that one right there. And then, of course, Holly Hairdresser, that's all I ever wanted to be. And so I didn't know all those other things were going to become a part of the business, but they absolutely are very important to any business. And for someone starting out, they need to know that you're going to have all of these challenges. Yeah, I think that this is a phenomenal representation of starting a business. And I think you did a really good job of visualizing it for the people you were teaching. Because sometimes concept, concepts can be a little difficult to grasp. But I mean, when you put a good visual with it, like, especially putting Holly hairdresser last, like you're going into business as a hairdresser, you want to start your own hair salon. That's what you want to do. But it ends up being the last role you actually get to play. Exactly. Because these other three take precedent when you're the business owner. Right. And the one that I 
I did I dislike the most is Betty Bookkeeper. Uh, but guess what? That's one of the most important. That would come in probably over the top of any of them. Um, and I, I just hated staying after and doing all that book and make sure everything was down and all the, the places that all the information had to go for the employees. I, that was just not me. And um, you honestly could ask my math teacher and they'd say, I don't know how you ever did it, Carmela. <laughs> Well, you mean you didn't just fire up your, your Google Docs and your, your spreadsheets and, and do all that stuff on the computer? Hey, I'm glad you brought that up because you know what? Back then, mm-hmm. we didn't have computer back when I, right. I started the business. But I will tell you, we were the very first salon in Tuscross County to add computer to our business. Really? Well, that's a part of being progressive and seeing what's happening in the future. Um, we had one of those little Macs that came out. Mm-hmm. And um, today, that thing is so slow. Actually, <laughs> we, we still have that, that computer. And I mean, it takes forever, but we thought it was fantastic. So that helped a lot, putting information in there and keeping track of information. Um, but uh, yeah, keeping track of all those records is is uh, amazing and now that we can just do it so quickly and the bookkeeper I don't have to worry because she she pushes all those <laughs> buttons and uh, it's it's really awesome that we can do a lot by computer today yeah no kidding and what you just said made me think it might maybe you should add a fifth character up here and since you got Molly and Holly you need poly progressive thinker there you go you know that's, that's a huge thing if you want your business to be successful I mean there's a lot of people that start a business and it's, you know, it works out for, you know, handful of years, 10, 15, maybe even. But if you're not doing what you've done and think ahead and kind of see the trends and say, okay, this is where the industry is going, you, then you're playing catch up. That's true. And, and actually being in a, a cosmetology, a salon uh, environment, um, we're forced to see what's happening because all the changes of styles and, you know, today we're challenged with the, um, virus that's going around. And I was totally shocked that we were one of the first businesses that could actually open up. And it made me feel good that we played that much importance in a client's life. And it, it, that's how um, we, we are aware of the trends of what are happening because um, they're seeing it on TV, they're reading it in magazines, and then they're bringing it into us. So we're forced to stay progressive with what's happening in all areas, not just in the styling, but in how we uh, manage our clients. Because now with the push of a button, we can um, actually help a client go back 10 years and, and say, 10 years ago, I bought something and I really loved it for my hair, but I don't remember what it was. So we just push the button and brings it up and it tells us what, what that product was. So um, we're, we have been fortunate to be... Um, exposed to those kind of um, progressive um, things. Yeah, well, and that's, that's very good record-keeping because, again, that information is only as good as what you put in. So, exactly. if, you know, if you're not logging the info or the, you know, the records, you don't have it 10 years later. So right. that's, that's really good. Um, so we have some questions here to kind of go through. Um, do you want to start going through these, or was there anything else you wanted to say I know we'll, we'll kind of talk about the ladies some more probably okay. as we go through and all that stuff, but it, I didn't know if there was anything else you wanted to say before we moved on to this. Um, no, and I'm, I'm still nervous, Josh, so you just go <laughs> well, ahead. Well, it does not sound like it. You it just go It doesn't sound ahead. like it at all. <laughs> 
you're doing awesome. Okay, so if you're going into business, you're going in for the long haul, and we've touched on that, and you've said that many times about it being a career. To, it's probably going to become your life. Um, so be on purpose and never give up. That's right, because there's a lot of things that are going to happen that are going to make you want to give up. And um, if, you're, if you're going into business to actually be a business person, you have to look to the future like we've talked about because uh, it's not just today and tomorrow. It, it's a commitment of your career and of your clients and of your suppliers. It's, it's all of those things. Yeah. Yep. So you say you need to create a good atmosphere for your staff, clients, and cu- your clients and customers. Now, you said that creates a win-win for everybody. Can you kind of explain that a little bit about the atmosphere that you create in your... Well, um, an example would be, and, and I'm not saying this happened in my salon, but let's say that you had someone that really had a harsh attitude. And because we work almost six feet apart, which we do, uh, always, not just now, but we always have about six feet between us, but that's still enough, not enough space that you can't hear what's happening. So let's say you had someone that um, was pretty negative. You would have to become Ricky referee and you'd have to call that person aside and you'd have to talk to them about what was acceptable and what wasn't. Not just because uh, you might offend someone in the next chair that you don't know um, didn't agree with that, but you might um, cause um, stress amongst everybody else. So it's a win-win situation because um, it makes me feel good when um, just last week a client said to me, I always feel comfortable coming to your salon because I know when I leave, I'm not going to be the topic you know, oh, and, yeah. and that's that's another thing to set down a rule is that, you know, you have to respect um, your clients and each other. And that makes a win-win situation for everybody because everybody can be relaxed and happy. Yeah, I, I mean, I know, and I, I can't think of any like specific situations, but I know I've been to get my hair cut at different places before in my life where I've been sitting there and I hear what somebody else is saying or the way they're talking, maybe the words they're using. I'm like, geez, like calm down a little bit or something, you know? And yeah, you kind of feel bad for the the employee who's cutting the hair. You know, maybe they're like, what do I do? And yeah, it's uncomfortable for everybody. It is. It is. So it's your job as the owner, which you may not think that was ever going to be your job, but it is your job to keep all that under control. Yeah. And and if you don't, that's when you start to lose Clients, clients, loyalty, right. uh, you know. And I was just going to say, that's what helps your business grow, too. That's another win-win. It's because people feel comfortable coming there. Um, if your atmosphere atmosphere is clean and nice and calm, mm-hmm. then they feel comfortable coming there. And most of all, they feel comfortable referring someone else to that business. Right. Because that's a reflection on them. If they send someone to your business and then it ends up not being what they experienced while they were there, then that's not going to be a good conversation between them and the person that they sent. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of reputations on the line there when is. you're referring people to, to different places and things like that. Um, don't spend all the revenue you take in. Save for the hard times. Oh boy. 
I'll tell you. I was going to say, you have all caps. I have examples. I do have examples. <laughs> um, for instance, um, back in the 70s, we had a, a really a financial crunch on, on the economy. And um, what we did at that time, and, and this might have been a little bit of progressive thinking that I didn't even realize at the time, we took the lower level of our salon and turned it into a children's salon. Because I, I told the staff, we have to do something to help people who have children not pay these uh, adult prices. And so we did back then, and that was in the 70s, uh, children's haircuts for like $5. And so that was helping our clients save money, but it was also helping other people that financially maybe couldn't get um to a salon and pay the prices. But because I didn't have the overhead, I was adding to the building, I, I could do that. I could afford to do that. But um, financially, that was a crunch, you know, in, in people being able to afford to get their hair done. And another um, time, and, and I'll try to get through this, this is a, a real time that you don't ever think it's going to happen. But I know even your father, probably in his business, he's experienced people leaving. Mm -hmm. But um, probably one of the biggest challenges I ever had was uh, right before Christmas, about 10 years ago, there was a new trend taking place in this area. And um, it's still going on. And um, it's part of what happens to industry and business, things change. So there's a lot of uh, places out there that rent booth space. Well, my staff decided that that's what they wanted to do. So right before Christmas, they all left. All of them? All of them, except my receptionist. Oh, so man. there I was. So when, when we talk about don't spend all your money, you have to keep some money back to, to support everything in case something happens out of your control. So... Um, the other part of that story um, is that it was very depressing, and I, I never thought that that would happen, you know. Um, it just was um, a new thing that you didn't know a lot about, but it was happening. And so, of course, I went through like a long-time depression of several weeks, excuse me, <clears throat> and um, I laid on the couch a lot and... I did drink a couple glasses of wine now and then, and uh, thanks to my husband, he said, you either get up off that couch or you put out the for sale sign. And so I had to think about that because I wasn't ready to give up my career. I wasn't ready to do that. So I had to figure out how can I manage this and start over. And that was after being in business for 25 years, maybe wow. 30 you know, I, I, I'm not exactly sure on the time frame there. I know it was at least 25 years. So you have to have that little amount of cash tucked away in case something like that happens. I think that um, when you start a business and you start seeing all that revenue come in, you think, wow, you know, this is awesome, you know, but you have to learn right off the bat. I have to set money aside for supplies. I have to set money uh, aside for the utilities. I have to set money aside for an unexpected, out-of-control experience. 
and then you're okay. Then you'll survive. Like right now, um, with all that's happened with the virus, there have been a lot of businesses, unfortunately, that have had to close. And they were probably operating right up to the end on a shoestring and um, trying to maintain their homes and their cars and colleges for their children. But um, if, if that little bit of money was tucked away all, all the time, every month, then it might not, it, it would definitely help. No matter what happened, it would definitely help. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and that's just, that's good financial uh, advice for personal finances too. Exactly. Just don't spend everything you have. Otherwise, I mean, that's just, that's just operating. <laughs> that's that's good dangerously. sense. That's yeah. good sense. Yeah. yeah. Sense with an S and a C, right? Yes. <laughs> All right. So, okay. Well, the next thing we've kind of already touched on this, you have to accept that you have to wear many hats as a business owner. And that's what that's what the four ladies that are joining us represent. Yes. And um, actually, that thought came to me from one of my client's husbands. Yeah. And I thought that was really a good way to explain that um, different times you're going to wear a different hat. And um, we haven't got into the, the part yet, um, but I'm going to bring this up about being a woman in business. Imagine 47 years ago, um, it was a little bit different then than it is now. And I'll give you an example uh, of having to wear a different hat um, and doing something that I, I wasn't used to doing. But we ran a lot of advertising, and how we advertised was in our local newspaper. And um, when you run an ad, you kind of lay it out, and then they put it in. Well, what happened was the address and the phone number got left off. And I thought, well, well this can't happen because... How are they going to know who to call or where I'm at? So I had to put on, I guess, a business suit and go and approach because the ads are quite expensive or were back mm -hmm. then. For me, they were quite expensive and address that. And um, at that time, I think that, um, you know, I had a lot blonder hair then, I will admit. <laughs> but um, I was approached by the person that I was talking to um, and I actually took one of my assistants with me um, that uh, we should go out to lunch. And I said, no, I'm not here to go out to lunch. I'm here to, like, solve this issue about the ad in the paper. Uh, it needs to be the address. We need to get that corrected. And so we came to an understanding, and it got all fixed. But that's just an example of um, also another addition when you enter a business, understanding how you're going to have to stand up for yourself, you know, whether you're a man or a woman. But, but back then, for a woman to um, actually approach someone in a man's world and have to address that issue, you, you just had to stick to your guns. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, knowing you right now as you are, I, I can picture you uh, standing up for yourself <laughs> and sticking to your guns. How old were you then? Oh, gosh, back then when that happened, that was probably, I might have been 27. Really? Maybe 28. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, geez, how yeah. Good for you. <laughs> good for you. Um, all right. So here you say, never judge a book by the cover. And then you say your dad owned his own business. He did. For over 60 years? Yeah. Just like your dad. I mean, he, he was a hard worker and he went in every day and, you know, he, he taught all of us never judge a book by cover. 
And I'll give you an example of a lesson my dad taught me. We were in Montgomery Wards in Canton, which no longer exists anymore. And uh, my mom was shopping and she was buying some clothes for herself. And he took me along as the designated driver. And I would have been home for the weekend, I think, at that time, because uh, I was old enough to drive. And um, anyway, so uh, my mom came out to the car and my dad recognized that she just was not, she just didn't seem herself. And he asked her what was the matter. And uh, she said, oh, nothing. He said, no, Audrey, what's the matter? And she said, well, she said, I was standing there and I had my arm full of all these clothes and all these things I wanted to buy. And um, there was a belt that I wanted. And there was a gentleman that was behind the counter waiting on us or people standing there. And there was a lady off to the right that was dressed real fancy. And I can't remember if she said she had a fur coat on or not. But my mom was very plain, not not a fancy person. And um, so my dad we had already left the parking lot. <laughs> and my dad said, Carmel, turn this car around, turn this car around. I was so nervous. So I turned the car, got where I could turn it around, went back. And he said, come with me. And I did not want to go. I did not want to go. But I went with him and he went up to the counter and that gentleman was still there. And he said, I'd like to speak to the manager. And the, the gentleman said, I am the manager. And he said, my dad said, really? He said, well, I'm returning all of these things. He said, my wife stood here and was in line first to pay. And you happened to wait on someone else that looked maybe a little bit more financially uh, capable. And uh, he said, so here, you can just have all these items back. And the gentleman never said anything. And... Uh, couple days later, my dad did get a call from Montgomery Wards wanting to know why he returned all that stuff within just a short period of time of purchasing. So he told them. And so that was my lesson that my dad taught me never judge a book by a cover because he did lean over quietly and told that man, he said, you know, I probably could have bought everything in this store. <laughs> so that was a good lesson. That was a really good lesson. I would say, yeah, I know, like you said, at the time, you, you didn't want to go with your dad back into the store and up to the counter and all that stuff, but he took you and, you know, maybe it didn't even register because you were how old then? I probably was like 17, okay. maybe 18. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it, it might've been even a few years later when you were actually in your own business when that kind of clicked, right? When you're like, oh. Well, it, it a few years later when it did click mm -hmm. was... Um, I took my son, Nathan, uh, shopping for a suit. And there was a men's store that sold uh, just men's clothing. It's, it's not around anymore. And um, he had found a suit that he liked, and they didn't have his size. So um, I called one of the, the salespeople. We were in the back of the room. They were all talking. So I called one of the salespeople to please come help. Of course, they kind of strolled along like I interrupted their conversation. But um, they said, no, we don't have that. And I said, well, I know you have a store in Akron. Could you call the store up there and see if they have it? And she said, well, we don't really do, we don't usually really do that. And I said, well, I think that the people who own this store would appreciate if their employees, you know, did that because, you know, they want to give service and sell their products. So, 
that was another, my son Nathan probably wanted to crawl underneath the table, but um, <laughs> that was what my dad taught me is to, to, you know, like that experience in Montgomery Wards is to at least let them know that, you know, you should help your clients, you should wait on your customers, you know, and give them good service. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like you or your dad, you know, in those situations, went in there screaming, hollering, throwing things around, cursing up a storm. You're just trying to spend it, money. Yeah. <laughs> trying to spend, spend money. money. And, and, and at, you know, you come across these situations where people are maybe misjudging you or, or, you know, not taking care of you as the client the way they should. So you're just trying to rectify the situation in a polite way and let them know, you know, this isn't it, how you do it. You could do better. Well, and in, in that case, that the salespeople in that store were not representing the owner of that store right. the way they should. Yeah. So. Yes. So I guess that kind of leads to this when you say always be honest with everyone you work with. Exactly. You know, you can, you can try to pull the wool over people's eyes and you can try to hide things, but eventually it's going to come out, you know, day to day when you're working together. I mean, you have to be above board with people. And one thing about being in the hair business is that um, if someone brings a picture into you and you're looking at their hair and you're looking at the picture and they're saying, I, I want this. I really want this. <laughs> yeah. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. When in the back of your mind, you know that I absolutely cannot make this person's hair look like that. So you have to be honest with your clients, too, that, well, we can adjust it and we can make it look like this, but not quite like that. And here's why. And explain to them why you know, you have thinner hair or your hair is um, gray. It's not brown like in the picture. So it's going to look different. So honesty is always your best bet. Always. Yeah. Cause you don't want to tell them you can, yeah, I'll make your hair look exactly like that photo. And then you, you, you do, you know, you do it and then they look in the mirror and say, that's not even, that's not what I showed you. Exactly. And you have and to, then you got to explain it anyway. Well, right? Oh, yes. And, and sometimes you'll make a mistake and, accidentally, mm-hmm. but you have to accept, I, this did not turn out correctly. I'm going to fix this. We're going to correct it. You can't run away from, you can't, you know, you can't send them out the door and say, well, that that's the way it's supposed to look or the lighting's different. No, yo, you have to accept that you made a mistake and fix it. Yeah. I'm hundred percent on board with you on that. I, I think like, I'd rather, I appreciate when people are genuinely honest with me and, you know, I, we're all human. We're all I mean, human. there is not a single person in the world who's perfect. So we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to, you know, think that, okay, if I do this, this is going to happen. Something different happens. We just have to look at it and say, okay, I was wrong. Admit when you're wrong. Admit when you make a mistake and then correct it. And, you know, nine times out of 10, when you are that type of person, the people that you're dealing with, they'll come back because they realize I can trust this person, right? whether it's with hair or, you know, selling a suit, whatever it is. I mean, you can trust that person. Yeah. And it always makes me feel better too. Cause I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm not the only one who makes mistakes. <laughs> it's just a nice reminder too. It you is. Know? So I think that that is definitely very, very important. Um, I really like this one cause I know we, we had this conversation before, so I'm excited to hear it again. Um, Teach others how to do what you do by example and training, especially your kids and grandkids. Exactly. You've got your counting money story. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, my, when I was little, my dad, when he would come home, he would bring 
the uh, money from the day's business home, and then he would sit us down and ha- let us help count the money and put it into the uh, those little paper things. Yeah, the rolls. You, yeah, the yeah, rolls yeah. that you put your money in. And um, so that was something that I learned that was a part of business that I didn't even know. You know, I didn't even know about that. Um, and then with your kids, I always, you know, took my kids to the salon and uh, I think they um, got some of what they learned by osmosis. You know, mm-hmm. I, they didn't, they, I didn't have to drill it into them. They could just watch. And my grandkids, when they come, um, if they help, like, do one little thing, you know, I'll give them a quarter. And uh, this is kind of cute, though. Um, I started this, and they actually get paid for getting their hair cut. <laughs> And I give them a quarter every time they come in and get their hair cut. So they go to the cash register and they learn about where the cash register is and they learn that the quarters are in this spot, you know. So every little thing that you can help with your um, kids learn, sometimes you don't have to say the words, just do the actions. And and they pick up on that. Yeah, that reminds me, um, friend, my, my buddy, he... Very, very good parenting um, technique that I'm definitely going to use whenever we have kids someday. Uh, So his daughter, I don't know what grade it was, first grade or something, and they had these little swipe cards to get milk or whatever at school. And it was almost like a credit card, right? So there wasn't like that she knew. She, she, she doesn't know there was a limit. So she's like swiping to get all these oh, milks. And she, she, I think she got milk for like a whole bunch of her friends. Oh, boy. And so then he gets like, I guess, the bill, right? And he's like, whoa how much milk are you buying? Oh, I got milk for all my friends. She didn't understand. Uh-huh. So then they kind of broke out. It's kind of the same thing, quarters and pennies or whatever, a bunch of coins and said, okay, let's count these out. You know, you have so many coins in this. Okay, here's a milk and it costs this many coins. And this, these coins are like represented on that card. So they said, get your milk, take away the coins. And then they said, well, do you want another milk? And yeah, get one for your friend, but there weren't enough coins left. They're like, so you can't get it. Because you can't pay, pay for, for it. it. So they were kind of like trying to get in her mind, like just because it's a card and you can swipe it and get whatever you want, you know, there is actual coin. There's money behind it. And this is the concept. So I thought, I just thought that was a good example, like, like your ladies. Right. Visualize the concepts. Well, and you know, that's another thing that I tried to teach when I was teaching the classes is that you, you have to learn how much it takes in a day. For instance, let's say a pair of jeans costs $50. Well, how much are you going to have to do in a day's work to pay for one pair of jeans? And then you have to respect that that client coming in, she's giving you money that she could have bought a pair of jeans. So, you know, they have to learn how much effort you have to put into the day in order to be able to pay. And lots of times, if, if you sit down and figure out, I might have to work three days to pay all of my overhead, whether it's the salon overhead or it's your personal overhead for your gas, electric. So those things are are uh, parts of business that I don't think that going into business, if you have no business background, you don't realize. And so when I taught the classes, I was trying to get them to see that this is a very important part of, of you going into business is that you have to know how much effort you have to put in in order to pay everything that you have to pay before you actually make any money for yourself. It, it's so important. I mean, that 
Uh, Betty, right? Betty Bookkeeper? Betty Bookkeeper. I mean, that's why she's standing there first in line. That's right. Because if she's not doing her job, then uh, uh, Holly down here, hairdresser, doesn't have a job. She doesn't have a job. That's right. It all has to work together. Yeah. And can you imagine if um, uh, the janitor... um, What's her name? Molly Maid. Molly Maid. <laughs> you do better <laughs> These than are I your do. Lady I know they're my ladies, but I haven't had them out for a while. Yeah. But Molly Maid, if she didn't do her job and keep everything spick and span. That's true. And um, Betty keep, Bookkeeper wouldn't have any money to to keep. Who would want to come exactly. in? Exactly. Who would want to come in if it wasn't clean and nice and orderly? You know, so all of those things are just so important. Especially a, a hair salon. Oh, yeah. You know, cleanliness is is got to be one of the top it is. Priorities. And right now, if you walk into our salon right now, it smells like a hospital. I mean, <laughs> it is so sanitary, but yeah. it's always been clean. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've always taken great pride in keeping everything clean and orderly and neat. And we get a lot of compliments on well, that. Well, I mean, 47, 47 years? Uh, yeah, 47 I, and I'd a half. Say you yeah. Pro- yeah, I'd say you've probably done a good job at that. <laughs> you've done a good job at everything. So, um, did we already talk about the early morning story or not? I can't remember. I don't think so. Okay, let's do that. So what 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 does it say that I need to say about the early morning story? <laughs> well, this has to go along with the teaching your kids and grandkids um, what you what you know, teach them how to do what you do. You have the the counting money, the, your son in his suit, and then you have the going to work early. Okay, so that would be that as an owner, you can't get up and just walk in the door at the last minute. You have to be the first one there to make sure that things are organized and orderly and ready to go and double check things. And, um, th- you, you know, so getting up early and not at the last minute is going to make a huge difference in how your day goes if you own a business and probably in a lot of areas. But, you know, if you're just going to show up to business, at least, you know, to work, at least you should... Uh, allow your hair to dry before you get there, you know, those kind of things. But as a business owner, your early morning um, time and getting up early and organizing things before everyone gets there is important. It's so funny. Um, Because when I was growing up, I know we'd we'd always joke around with my dad because it would be eight o'clock at night. We're all sitting in the living room watching TV or something. He was in his chair and he's snoring, like fast asleep snoring. And we're like, come on, dad, it's eight o'clock. Like, watch, watch the show with us or whatever. And he just couldn't stay awake. But you know, like, cause I, I played football in high school. So we'd have our early morning, like lifting and weight training sessions and all that stuff. And we'd have to be in the gym by six. So that means I had to get up around five thirty, you know, or whatever to get, yeah. get up and get ready and get going to school. And he was already gone. His truck's already out of the garage. Yep. He's nowhere to be found. I mean, I don't know what he used to get up at four, four thirty well, sometimes. That makes me think of the rest of that story. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because my dad, uh, he had two businesses. He had one down in Cambridge, Ohio. And so he would wake some, my sister and I, or maybe my brothers, we had seven in our family. Oh, and he would take turns waking us up. You want to go with me? And of course, we were all excited. Yeah, we got to go. And there was no freeway. So we had the old back roads to go on. And um, he would take us early in the morning. And that's how I learned that getting up early and going in and doing the things that you need to do. And back then, um, I'll never forget Elvis Presley just became popular. And uh, if we found a quarter on the floor or a nickel, he would let us keep it because we were actually helping sweep the floors, you know, whatever. And um, 
we put a quarter in the jukebox and Elvis Presley, we played Elvis Presley. And I can just remember that. So that, that was part of that early morning story is that my dad taught me, you have to get up early and go in and do the things that you need to do to get everything ready for the day. So yeah, just like your dad, he was gone before you got out of bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was, he knew what he had to do to get going and you know, that's, that's just what you do. Yeah. 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 And I luckily, I, I know, you know, your personality type too plays a lot of, lot into that, but I'm definitely a morning person. Like when I get up in the morning, I, that's when I'm at my sharpest. Me too. So yeah. So if I'm trying <laughs> to work, you know, it toward the end of the day, like three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon, I'm just like, ah, I just, I don't have it anymore. Yeah. I, I, I've lost, like it was all in the morning. That's where my energy's yeah. at. Um, but, and yeah. that's a good thing. That's a really mm -hmm. good thing because you can, after five o'clock when most of the day is supposed to end, then you can slow down. Yeah. But uh, we're blessed because we're morning people. We, yep. we really are. Yeah. Well, and it, it, I think it's really, really cool that your dad, you know, I don't, I don't know if his dad or, or parents or whatever taught him, but you know, he, he passed that wisdom and those um, habits down to you. And it seems like you've passed them on to your children. So and, and unknowingly, I mean, a lot of it is by osmosis. Mm -hmm. You learn it. Yep. And so the example we set to our children and our grandchildren is really, really important. And how we interact with other people, all those things are so important. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, and I, I think more people need to just realize that. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if you, some people think they got to take, you know, a certain amount of time out of the day. And I'm going to, you know, talk to my or teach my kids something specific. But if you just always lead by example... You know, that's the best thing you can do is just actually do what you want them to do. Exactly. And, and, you know, most grandparents know that spending that quality time with their kids and all the fun things that we do with them, we have a little bit of um, luxury there because we're not the ones that have to um, line them up and straighten them up all the time. We can just teach them how to, to do fun things and be kind and all of that without having to actually... Um, speak to them on those issues. Yeah. So. Yep. All right. So let's jump to this next topic here. Um, when competition comes to town, you say, take an outside the box, look at your business and become a customer and see what you think. Exactly. And then you say competition will make you change for the better. It will. Um, I remember this, this doesn't have anything to do with the salon, but, but it's an example of when Walmart came to our area I actually sat on a board and we went into other cities to see how Walmart had affected mm -hmm. and the things that um, small businesses could do. Well, I counted um, close to me, close to my salon, for example, there's probably 10 salons within, you know, just a short um, space. Mm -hmm. So um, there is business to go around for everyone, but how we um, take a look at like, um, when maybe a big new place comes to town, what can I do to change or upgrade my image? You know, like step back and look at your building. Does it need uh, painted? Does it need, um, maybe it needs some weeds pulled or maybe you could brighten up your sign. There's just a lot of things like that. That um, And when you've been in business as long as I have, that's, that's over the years. A lot of times you have to take an outside the box look at what you're doing. And um, that goes for the interior too. Like we've changed the interior of our salon three or four times because you have to recognize that those people 
our uh, repeat business coming in, and it's refreshing for them to, to have something new to look at. So um, you always have to take that out-of-the-box look at um, how you look as a customer walking up to that door, or how is that customer being treated at the front desk? How, how do you want to be treated? And that's, that's very, very important. Those are parts of the business that I think that people starting a business don't really stop to think. I, I wish there was a, a quick school that they could go to, and this might help them decide what direction they wanted to go, or do I really want to do this? And if they don't believe it's true, they're going to find out the hard knocks of, mm-hmm. of that it is true. And if you go into business, like we talked in the beginning, Josh, you don't want you're not going in to just play. This this is serious. You're going to do this as a life career or a life commitment. You know, like I know your dad just finally retired. Yep. Did he? Yep. yep, he did. And and that eventually comes. Like my dad retired when um, I think he was 70. Now I'm going to share with all of your uh, viewers here <laughs> that I'm 69 and I'll be 70 in February. And I'm like my dad. I'm not ready to stop doing what I love. Um, but there will be a day that everybody comes to that reality that it's it's time. But um, if you love what you do, just like what your dad said, you're going to get up every day and do it with a passion. And and that's that's really important. That's awesome because that's something, as you were talking through that story there, I, I was thinking passion, passion, passion for what you do because yeah, you could you could have all the business, you know, mindset and all the training and education, everything you need to run a successful, successful business. But if you don't have the passion for what you're, you're doing in that business, none of the rest really matters anyway, because you won't do it for long. No. And when you get challenged with all the challenges yeah, that are going to happen. It's just too easy to, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm done. Right. Yeah. If it, you know, any challenge that comes along, if you don't have that passion that why am I doing this? Why am I here? Why do I go in every day? Um, why do I service people? If you don't have that passion, then you're going to be easily blown over. Yep. Yep. That's kind of what jump started everything for me earlier this year was um, a podcast I started listening to. Um, a young guy, I think he's like 24 years old, started his own financial um, coaching business, essentially mm-hmm. is what it is. Um, and his whole uh, philosophy is, what is your why? Exactly. And th- he would ask that on every show. And I would sit there and, well, what is my why? You know, and it's almost, it makes you wonder, like, if you, if you haven't already found it, well, what is it? And yeah. then when you do find it, it's like, look out. Here That's we go. right. That's right. Because that will drive you. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing this? Why? Yeah. Yep. Very good question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think we're getting toward the end here. Um, you, th- I really do like this. You say you have this hanging, this quote is on your wall in your house. You can't change the wind, but you can adjust your sails. Yes, and you need to learn that. I uh, What happened, I, that went up on my wall after I had the staff leave. And honestly, um, to your viewers, that was 65% of my business that left right before Christmas. Wow. And so um, once I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and my husband gave me a boot out the door, <laughs> <laughs> then, then I realized um, that... That saying came to me, and honestly, I wish I could remember when it hit me or where I saw it. But immediately, I had um, I had that made that made with those stick on letters that says right in my laundry room where I see it every single day. Um, you know that you can't you know you can't 
uh, control the wind, but you can adjust your sails. And so um, learning that in any business, any uh, if, if you're a salesperson, I don't care what you are, as long as you're willing to adjust and look around, what changes can I make? How can I make this work? Um, what do I need to do? And I will tell you, at that time, I put in long hours. I, I started to re-advertise. I promoted a new um, type of promotion of a makeover for women. And um, they, in my heart, I knew that... that um, I, I had this struggle ahead of me, but they never knew that. And there's, um, I told you I might need those Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, you can make it. And um, there's two people that I won't mention their names, but um, they helped me turn it around. And um, uh, they're still clients. They didn't know they were making that impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I should tell them. Maybe you should. Maybe I should. Maybe you should. Yeah. Yep. And and I think this is this is a, a huge key topic. Um, it's it's a it's a mindset, not just business, but life as well. Like your perspective will dictate your position in life. So if you have the perspective of, you know, I can I can handle these challenges, I can get through this, then your position is that you can. I mean, it. it I don't want to make it seem like it's that simple, but at the same time your mindset will drive you, t- you know, toward whatever destiny you, you're on the path for. Well, sometimes you don't know that that challenge is going to be your challenge. Right. And uh, they always say that, you know, strength comes from where you don't even know it's going to come. Mm-hmm. And then it does help if you have a support friend or a partner, which my husband was. And um, so that makes a huge difference. But there is strength in all of us. You just don't know what what's going to happen to bring that out. You know, it's yeah. there. Well, and it, it goes to, um, <clears throat> excuse me now, um, living intentionally and, and doing things with intention. So, on purpose. On purpose, exactly. And I know you had that in here too. Um, surround yourself with people intentionally. I mean, if somebody says, well, why is that? Why is so-and-so your friend? Or why do you work with so-and-so or hang out with so-and-so and you don't have a good answer for it, then think about it. Because you should, you should know why each person in your life is in your life. Exactly. Because you, you can control your, your crew, basically. Your right. Well, when you're in business, um, you may have um, employees that not necessarily are exactly how you think, but as long as they're willing to contribute to the business the way they need to. But in your personal life, you do have a choice of who are the people that you choose that inspire you, that encourage you, um, that lift you up when you're down. You do have a choice yeah. in those people. Yeah, and I know it's an old old saying, but you know, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. Exactly, so like Betty if, Bookkeeper. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you have to, if you always have to be like the smartest person in the room, then you're probably going to struggle because you, that means you're relying 100 percent on you. You don't have anybody who you're probably willing to take their advice exactly. or seek their opinion. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to give a shout out to all of my receptionists that have ever worked at my desk because they are your, in my business, they're the first person mm-hmm. that everyone talks to on the phone and meets at the desk, and they do such a fabulous job. They, they, are, they are the 
best representation of my business that I could have. Even though we do a fantastic job with all the hair and the makeup and all that, those people um, deserve the recognition. You could have the best hairdressers, but if you if, if a new customer walks in and the receptionist isn't kind to them or exactly. doesn't treat them well, they'll never get to see your hairdressers. They won't want to come back. They won't, yeah, exactly. They're not going to make it past the no, desk because they're going to turn no. around and leave. And they, they create a relationship with yes. those clients. So you can't be the smartest person in the room all the time. You have to, you have to delegate uh, things uh, that, that other people can do equally or better than you could do. And believe me, they don't want me at that desk because every time I do something, I have a tendency to like mess up something on that computer. Mm-hmm. So they do a lot better job than I do out there. Yeah, definitely. So uh, this says, last thought. Yeah, you think that if everybody had to work on commission, um, their personal performance would have, oh, we would, okay, I got you. If everyone had to work on commission. Exactly. Yeah. Because um, in our business, now when I first started out, the only way you got paid was if you did a style on a person and then they came back, that was repeat business, you got paid on that what you did. So you had to make everything that you did the best it could be because you wanted that person to come back because that was going to be your pay. That's how you were going to get paid. So I've always said that if everybody had to work on commission and it it reflected on the effort that they put into their job, um, whatever it is, that they would, they would do things a lot differently because the, the buck really did stop with them, you know, and, and in a business, of course, the buck does stop with the owner, but each person, if they had to rely on how they treated people and how they performed and the job that they did, that's how they got paid because that's how our business was way back when I started when I was 18 and a half years old. And, you know, that's when I graduated and I started to work in Columbus, Ohio. So, yeah, that's, that would really change a lot of people's perspectives. Yeah. It definitely would. And I mean, as, as a business owner, you, you were working on commission, you know, no matter what, like, because if you're, I mean, you can have employees that are hourly or salary or whatever, but if the customers stop coming in, you, you're done. Exactly. You don't have it. So. Exactly. Okay. Um, if everyone's work walked around like our work does with, oh, I got you. Yeah. Because yeah. Every every person that leaves your building is a walking billboard for your business. That's right. Yeah. So you we sign our okay. name every single day uh-huh. with every single person. And so that's another thing that if everybody's name had to be on the work that they did, they would do it a lot differently because it would directly reflect on them, which is how a hairdresser's business is. It reflects immediately. When they walk out that door, they go to have coffee with their friends or they go play cards that evening with their girlfriends. You know, it's a, it's immediate. Sure. Cause they go, Hey, your hair looks really nice. Where'd you get it done? Exactly. That is the question exactly. they always Plus ask. Plus you have that pride that, wow, I did that. You know, that mm-hmm. looks pretty good, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, it's, it's a fantastic business. It's the only thing I ever wanted to do. I didn't share this, but my dad wanted me to go to college. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of disappointed that I wanted to be a hairstylist. So when I got out of cosmetology school and came home, I went to Kent State for a year. And 
I still had my license and I worked part time. But I finally had to tell my dad, dad, this is not what I want to do. There's nothing that that is a spark for me here. Um, So he accepted that. And um, as the years went on, he he did kind of give me that nod. Uh, I can still see him coming up the steps, peeking around the corner, you know, and I did get to cut his hair a couple times. But um, yeah, I think he finally accepted that this is where I was supposed to be. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think, I think too often people fall into that trap of, well, I'm supposed to, and that's whatever it is. I'm supposed to this or I'm supposed to that instead of just passion is far it's worth so much more than uh you know a college degree if you have a passion to do something and you do it well and that's another thing that that my dad now I don't I'm not saying much about my mom but believe me she had an influence there of how she always went out of her way and she Mm -hmm. was always there you know you know what moms do oh yeah but um uh, my dad would uh always say, if you're going to be a ditch digger, then you be the best ditch digger that (laughs) anybody ever saw. So that's the passion part of it. And, um, so, and, and my sons, my two sons are as different as night and days in, in what they do as a career, but they're, they both have passion and they both have that. And that means more to me than both of them having a college degree, you know? Absolutely. I I hear too many people too often say, oh, I hate my job. I don't want to go to work. Uh, can't wait till Friday. Well, if you're going to spend your entire life wishing away, you know, three, four or five days out of the week, why are you, why are you even bothering? Find a passion. Yes, exactly. Find something you love, you know. Yep. I remember your dad saying that. I, I watched that podcast and I thought, I don't know your dad, <laughs> but I could relate to what your dad yeah. was saying. And, and look what he did. He did a total different business than what I did, mm-hmm. but yet I could relate to all those things that he was saying. Yeah. The, the, the basic concepts remain across the board. Across you know. the board. Those four ladies, except the hairdresser, that would be something at, different, like, you know, at the end, but the first the three. The first three are the same. Yeah. The last one is whatever that passion is. Exactly. But you, that's the thing. Yeah. You have to wear these other hats. You have to be able to do this other these other jobs, these other duties. So yep. I think I need to add poly passion up there. Poly passion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I think so. Whoa. Your husband made these, right? No, actually it was a girlfriend's oh, daughter okay. who was a very good artist. He, he made them so they would stand oh, up. I, okay. I got but, you. Um, I got you. No, she, she did a great job. And, um, I, I, had them down in my basement for a long time. But when you were coming over, I thought, I'm going to bring the girls. And do you remember? I said, do you mind if the girls join us? And yeah. she said, oh, no. And I don't think you I knew. didn't know what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got to meet the girls. And uh, they. I think that they did help me when I was teaching those classes get the point across. And um, I actually had the uh, opportunity to teach a few classes at Buckeye to the girls because those are young, young girls that, that really have no clue of what, what life is all about yet, mm-hmm. especially business. But anyway. Yep. And it's definitely good to, these visual representations are wonderful, especially for people at a younger age like yeah. that to kind of help them. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Well, I appreciate you um, doing the podcast with me. It was, I'm still nervous. You're still nervous. I'm still kind of sweaty, (laughs) but it's been fun, Josh. And I appreciate that you um, asked me to to do this. Yeah, I I had a lot of fun talking to you. I mean, I've learned a lot from our, you know, our conversations together and it's been wonderful. So is there anything else that we didn't talk about or anything else you wanted to say before we wrap it up? Um, 
The only thing that, that we didn't hit on, and I talked about being a woman in business a little bit, yeah. is this is a challenge, and I think it still is today, is that we're also moms and we're grandmas. And so you have to work the best you can to try to fit the family in. Mm-hmm. And it's not always easy. And sometimes it's, it's not possible because you, you have a commitment to that business, you know, but do what you can when you can. Um, I can remember one day um, Nathan had a track meet up in uh, clear up above Alliance somewhere. It was a two-hour drive, and I had to work that Saturday. But as soon as I got off, I drove. I drove, I drove. I got there right when he was lining up to make that race. <sighs> so sometimes those are the sacrifices that moms have to make uh, if you're a mom and you're in a business or you work where um, sometimes I do think it's a little bit easier for guys because, um, you know, if we have a child, then we have to uh, work around that when it's an infant. You know, what are Mm -hmm. we going to do? How are we going to take care of it? But that doesn't mean, and this is a shout out to all the women out there that want to be in business, you can do it. You just have to plan. You have to make a plan and work that plan. You can do it. Yeah. I, that that is great, and I think another thing to go with that is give yourself grace and credit as well. Because I know talking to my dad, uh, you know, now that I'm grown up and everything, and he's retired, and looking back, and he, you know, he'll say things like, you know, well, I, you know, I I don't think I made it to everything you guys did, and I, you know, I but I tried. And and from the child standpoint, which is me, I'm looking at him going, I I don't ever remember you not being there. You know what I mean? So you so remember all the times that he yeah, was. Like, yeah, that, I don't yeah. actually remember any time specifically that he didn't show up to something. So yeah. he was always concerned and worried, like, am I, am I showing up when I need to be? Am I, am I making it to everything? And he, I, I guess he didn't realize that, to me, I didn't even notice. Yeah. I, I, he was just always there, I thought, <laughs> you know? So whatever he did worked. Well, that's really good to know. But, yeah. you know, it, it is something for women to think about. Um, that are going to go into business. Mm-hmm. And any woman that's been in business already, they, they know where I'm coming from uh, because that is a true challenge because we always have those mom strings pulling us, you know, yeah. and um, that's, that's how it goes. Um, you know, I, I, I want to tell one more story about teaching your children. Yep. Um, I remember when Nick was young, he was playing um, baseball and he, he never wanted to play. Uh, he told me, mom, I don't want to play um, any sport that's a contact sport. So he was up here at Dover Park, and they were playing ball, and he got hit right in the face with a ball. Now, this is, this is another thing about teaching your children, which most parents, I think, do today, how to look at things. And so he went behind the dugout, and he was crying. And I went back there, and he said, I'm not playing anymore. I'm not going to play, Mom. And I said, Nick, you have to finish this out. You have to finish this season out, and then you never have to play again. But I didn't want to play contact sports. Well, it was an accident. It's not a contact sport. So you get back out there, and you play, and you finish this season, then you don't have to play. So that's teaching them to stick it out and and make a a final judgment when it's all over, Mm -hmm. whether it's worth it or not. And that's with business, too. Yeah. So that's my final story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate all your stories. I know everybody listening and watching this will as well because very insightful. Um, You've got a lot of really good experience and really good um, outlooks on life and business and 
um, yeah, I just appreciate everything. Thanks, Josh. It's been fun. Good, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. All right. Well, thank you for joining in with my conversation with Carmela Rausch and the four lovely ladies that she brought with her. Betty Bookkeeper, Molly Maid, Ricky Referee, and Holly Hairdresser. Um, I can't think of a better visual representation for what actually goes on when you're running your own business because, you know, for Carmela, like we said in the episode, it was all about, you know, she wanted to be the hairdresser. She wanted to be Holly Hairdresser right out in front there. That's what she wanted to do. She wanted to to be a hairdresser, be with the customers, working with people. And that's, that was the dream. But when you're running your own business, you don't realize that Holly hairdresser is, is probably the least bit of what you actually get to do. Betty bookkeeper becomes a pretty important role that you have to play. Molly made. Yep. Especially in some place like a, a place like a, a hair salon, you have to keep it clean, especially nowadays. Um, and Ricky referee, what do you do when conflict comes up? You can't go to your manager. You're the manager. So those are all the different kind of roles that you got to play. And like we said in there, there's, there are countless others as well, depending on what you're doing and who you're working with. Um, but yeah, very happy to have Carmela on here. Like I said in the intro to this show, she is starting her own podcast. She's got two episodes out uh, at this time. Uh, that podcast is Natural Solutions, Natural Health Podcast with Carmela Rausch. You can go to Apple, Spotify, Google, anywhere you get podcasts. Go to YouTube, uh, look up Natural Solutions, Natural Health, Carmela Roush. Either way, it'll come up. You can find Carmela's podcast on our network as well, the Get Level Podcast Network. Um, check it out for real, though. She, she Her passion for uh, natural solutions and wellness, it's, it's absolutely mind-blowing just how passionate she is. So she knows what she's doing. She's good at it, and she loves it. She really cares about people. She just wants to make sure that everybody is as happy and healthy as possible. Check out her podcast. It's phenomenal. She's phenomenal. You guys are phenomenal. Got to find a different word. I'll work on that too. Until next time, thank you, and we'll see you soon. I can feel-